Fly, my little bird, fly. He was my father in every way that really mattered, except for being responsible for my genes. That was a burden I didn't have to place on him. In fact, he was the one who saved me from becoming a slave to my genes. I'd come here as a teenager, seeking refuge from a very bad experience. I don't want to go into it. All that's behind me. I've lived it, in fact, and in my mind for way too long. Finally, I've dealt with it and boxed it and put it away. But that wasn't the case when I came here, seeking shelter from the terrible storm in my life. The priests provided that shelter from the storm and an atmosphere of calm and peace which slowly seeped into me. But even with all that, if it had not been for father, I've always called him only that, I would not have made it through those dark, dark years. Slowly and with infinite patience, he healed me. He was my rock, my anchor, my refuge. His faith in me made me keep trying even when I'd rather have given up. He made me see that life and goodness were worth fighting for, that all the world was not black and evil, that there were adults who deserved respect and love. He saved me from the fiery hell of my own mind and the immeasurable pit of my own horrors. And who can ever be enough for that kindness? I would have done anything for him accepted any task or hardship at his behest, followed any command, except the only one thing he asked of me. His request, it was ever only a request, never a command. His request terrified me. It scared me back into my shell. I raged at him. How could he ask this of me? He, who knew how badly I'd been mauled and how hard won my victory over that mauling had been. How could he ask this of me? He kept insisting he was not asking, only suggesting. Because he knew that it was really the only way to let go of the turbulent past and to walk boldly and fearlessly into the future and whatever wonders it may hold for me. I had to face my demons and conquer them, not run from them and hide here in this safe haven. If I didn't face them, they would always be there, lurking just outside these walls, or even inside. Hadn't he so easily revived them by his mere suggestion? And they'd retain their power to torment, torture and destroy, always keeping me prisoner. The only way to overcome them was to face them, however much that scared me. Face them alone, without him at my side. Fight them and send them packing. And he drip, drip, dripped that into my ears until finally the message went through and I saw the sense of his gentle words and accepted the truth of his quiet way. Life was for living, for celebrating, he said. Be sad, be joyful, be angry, but be there. 
This place shouldn't be more than a temporary refuge from life. Unless it was a choice. It was my choice, I rushed to assure him. It was my choice, absolutely. But I could not look him in the eye. For both of us knew it was only my choice because it was safe. I didn't choose it in spite of the outside world, but because of it. And that was never going to be good enough for him, and I knew it. Even after I accepted in principle that he was right, it still took me more than a month to make myself leave. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. Even when you skydive out of a plane thousands of feet above the earth, you know you have a parachute strapped to your back and that you will most likely land safely. Here, I had no such confidence. Only my terrible memories of having been savaged in the past. A very real fear that I was venturing into mortally dangerous territory and no parachute except the coping mechanisms I'd learned from my father. And into this nightmare world, I finally gathered my courage and stepped. I was scared. I was angry. And I felt utterly let down by one who should never have let me down. I'd put this place behind me and out of my life forever. That chapter of my life was over. Ultimately, this father had betrayed me too. I put him behind me as well. I was alone and I'd sink or swim, but I would do it myself. I had to give it my best shot and to hell with everyone else, including all fathers. It was awful. I feared and trembled and looked over my shoulder every moment till I trained myself to live with the fear. Then I faced it. Then I overcame it. Then I almost fell into the pit myself and started to perpetrate it on others as weak as I'd once been. But I got myself and stayed on the bright side, just by the skin of my teeth. But I stayed there. Slowly, I began to appreciate being there, out in the world, master of my own fears, knowing that no one could harm me, nor would I harm anyone, on my own terms. It was heady. It was a rush. I didn't have much, but still, my life was full. I was a rolling stone and rolled on to new and wonderful vistas all the time. But I made friends, found happiness, experienced joy, and yeah, even love. And then, I began to feel the emptiness of it. I had supped full of horrors, and I had supped full of pleasures, and still I was malcontent, hollow. I lived for the moment, the next meal, the next friend, the next thrill. I took greater risks and got greater rushes, but their power to please was fleeting. I was racked with emptiness and cast about hither and thither for fulfillment. I had rejected all my past. My present was empty and the future stretched ahead even more everlastingly empty.
That's when my father's calm voice, telling me this place was a choice, not a refuge, eased its way back into my awareness. I rejected it. He had turned me out into the storm. He had not cared enough for me. I argued on both sides. He did love me. How could I doubt it? Then why had he thrown me out? He didn't throw me out. I should know better than to say something as jackass as that. And on and on, until I came to the acceptance that it had felt immeasurably cruel, but it had also been the kindest thing anyone had ever done for me. The most faith anyone had ever shown in me. The strongest vote of confidence anyone had ever cast for me. The greatest gift anyone had ever given me. Yet, I had to climb over my ego still. Could I go back since I'd been turned away? Or should I go back to acknowledge that I'd been wrong and he'd been right? Did I want to go back to that restricted life? After all, I'd been free for decades. I scaled back my life. I reduced it to simplicity. My needs became very few. But finally, I felt replete. And I started shining. On the inside, I could feel myself glow. And soon, others could see it too. They sought me out. They told me their stories. They brought me their pain. Somehow, I could spread the cloak of my internal peace over them. I never thought this would be me. And by and by, I knew what I must do, without which I could not go on. And that's how I find myself in front of these gates. I don't know them from the outside. They look quite different from the inside. There's a sign saying the priests are at prayer between 2 and 4 p.m. and that visitors are welcome before or after. It's 3.30 now, but I can't wait. I've already waited too long. I know the gates are never locked and I push them open and enter. I catch the air inside instantly and feel the rush of time against my soul. My stride changes. A quiet descends upon me and my eyes automatically seek the flagstones. My feet direct me to the prayer chambers where they all sit in silent prayer, and with my eyes still downcast and my tread still calm, I pass down the lines slowly, seeking, seeking. And then, there can be no mistake. The strength that had held me up so long fails me and I fall at his hard, careworn feet, wrap my hapless body around them and sob and sob and sob. His feet have not moved since I threw myself upon them and are awash with my tears as he strokes my head calmly and lovingly waiting till I have cried myself dry. I've been waiting for you, my father says. I always knew you'd come back to tell me you'd made it through your forest. Fly, my little bird, fly. <laughs>